Welcome to EU Code Week podcasts. We bring coding, computational thinking, robotics, and innovation closer to you, your community, and your school. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are your hosts, Eugenia Casariego and Arjana Vlasic. With this series of podcasts, EU Code Week would like to contribute to changing the education system in Europe and adapting it to a society that is getting more and more digitalized. Ariana and I are the hosts of the EU Code Week podcast episodes, and as well, we are both members of the EU Code Week team. Ariana and I work together to create and produce education content for the initiatives, such as the Learning Beats or the MOOCs. In this episode, we're going to talk about the relationship between coding and music. Did you know, musical experiences during childhood, such as listening to music or playing basic instruments, have a positive impact on brain development. These experiences can also support the development of skills such as motor skills, socio-emotional skills, or even language. In previous episodes, we have discussed the benefits of learning coding at a young age. So in mind what we can do by combining learning music and coding. We invite you to explore this topic with us today. We are excited to speak about that with our guest for today, Kiriakos Kursaris, a computer science teacher from Portugal. Welcome, Kiriakos. Thank you for joining us. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about your experience? Hello, thank you for having me. My name is Kiriakos Kusaris, and I am the tech lead at United Lisbon International School here in Lisbon, Portugal, where I am supervising the technology integration program of the school. I am originally from Cyprus, and my background is music education. I took my master's degree in education didactics and choir conducting in Prague, Czech Republic, where I was immersed in the musical uh, traditions and, and systems of uh, Central Europe and beyond, which gave me a very solid experience and background on um, the history, let's say, and evolution of music in Europe throughout the years. As life takes over, I found myself in, um, in Lisbon, Portugal in 2008, where I came as an intern uh, through a European Union program and started working as a music teacher in a small private school in Lisbon as a full-time music teacher. At the time, I didn't speak the language and I had to figure out how was I going to communicate in a very short time, in a very short frame with my students. I was given Kieran kind of classes to teach. And um, as I progressed through the years as a music teacher, as I progressed through the years and eventually started teaching primary and secondary, I realized that I wasn't going, even though I was trained in, let's say, conventional, traditional musical um, academic skills, I found myself needing to bring something more into my classes. So that something more came through the use of technology. Technology in all sense. So uh, from exploring digital tools and resources with my students to uh, moving away from simply um, learning instruments and conventional notation to learning about sound, learning about how to put together uh, songs, learning about music production and beyond. And eventually this technology integration evolved to a much larger role where I started helping other teachers and other subjects integrate technology in their classes. And my interest in the area became so big that I eventually started taking my own courses in not only technology integration and, and training, but as well as coding, computer science, and computing and ICT. And I found myself after some time doing both, teaching ICT and music, 
at one of the schools I worked with. And maybe five or six years ago, I transitioned fully into a computer science teaching job, and which I, I'm keeping to this day. Well, that's really fantastic. You have such an interesting uh, background, and thank you so much for sharing it with us. It was really interesting to hear uh, how you moved from the musical background to technology and coding. And now my question would be, how can coding and music be combined? Having in mind that uh, coding is a very logical activity and music is something very emotional. How can we connect coding and music? That is that is a very interesting question. And I will start by saying that I don't believe that that division pays respect to what coding and music are in their absolute essence. I believe coding to be as expressive and emotional as music. And I believe music to be as logical and structural as coding. Music and coding program, if you want to call it, they're both forms of creation. They're both forms of self-expression eventually. And programming, like playing music and vice versa, takes both creativity and takes a lot of logic. Both activities require investment from uh, the, the skill part of, let's say, the, the user. But at the same time, we need to make sure that uh, those tools, we're not just following instructions. Music, music can be also has its own rules and can be very, very mathematical in terms of creativity and creation. It has to respect very fundamental rules that we cannot move too far away from them or else it becomes completely abstract. And with programming, I find it to be exactly the same thing. Obviously, it is about putting together a series of instructions to a determined result. However, it can be done in academic way. It can be done in an extremely creative way. It can be done in a very efficient way. And you have to respect the rules. I keep getting back to the rule because both elements require that you have a very, very deep understanding of these rules. So they can be combined because essentially they're one and the same. Well, that's really a very good explanation. And also, I think uh, it's a great point to make that both coding and music represent creativity, that they are creative and uh, they can be used for not only children, but also adults to express themselves. My question now would be, why should we combine coding with music in schools? What are the benefits? Excellent. Well, combining uh, music and coding obviously provides students and teachers with a, a let's say, a, another level of uh, language expression that eventually can be uh, expressed from the same tool. The biggest benefit I see here is how it brings forward the creativity and innovation part of expressing yourself through two mediums that can be so distinct, but at the same time, so similar. Because if we think about it, both coding and music do require knowledge of patterns. Both of them require knowledge and experience with repetition. Both of them require organizational skills, or at least the students will be developing them as they combine these two art forms. And I will call them art forms because well, that's what they are in the essential um, basis. And as I mentioned, they both require their forms and rules, and they're both very, very, very complex. Uh, they can be expressed very simply, but getting to a result can eventually be quite complex. However, when we take a step back and look at our results, that result can be extremely attractive, very beautiful, and very appealing. And I can look at code and say very beautiful. If Coming from my experience, I can, I, you can actually use that adjective as you would use it in a music piece or an arts piece. You can look at a code and be like, Wow, you solved that very beautifully. And it just 
gives a different aspect of mental mindset to the student that um, works on that aspect. Thank you, Kiria, because I think that was very clarifying and I think that was also very um, inspiring for our audience. So thank you. And I, and I have a bit of a practical question then. So how can coding be used to create music? We have heard of some examples of these, like live coding, but can you tell us a, a bit more? Yes, of course. Well, um, live coding is something that I also had very recently uh, had a chance to, to see what it is, to get in contact with. Uh, it, it came to my attention. And obviously, live coding, it is a form of, of, of presenting, doing a live performance to an audience. There's a couple of very interesting projects online, and there's musicians that take that even further. And I do believe it to be an, ex an extremely innovative and creative form of expressing using a coding. Let's say you could say live coding is by far the uh, top expression of uh, combining these two art forms. But obviously, when we come into the classroom and we are dealing with a group of students, we need to take things uh, one step at a time. We need to start from the basics. I wouldn't expect a student to pick up an instrument and start composing a song or performing a song. So there is a couple of interesting ways to do that. From my experience so far, what I've worked with, I've been working many years with uh, the integration and interaction of Minecraft in the education environment, in the classroom. And obviously, um, we all know what Minecraft is, being a sandbox game, video game that allows students to build their own worlds and express themselves in 3D environments. But my, my introduction, let's say, in coding and music came from uh, Minecraft, let's say, with some projects I did with a student some years ago, because we figure out ways how to create music that it was then programmed by the coding module of Minecraft, in this case, Code Builder. There's, there's, there's other platforms as well. Obviously, uh, live coding um, uses a software called Sonic Pi, uh, and Sonic Pi can be used to teach students coding, in this case, Ruby, code-based music creation, which can eventually be performed. It, it is a bit more, let's say, advanced form of coding. And if students that already have experience with coding can pick up Sonic Pi and start creating their own creations, even before they go to the live part of it. Um, robotics, uh, we can get into that a bit more detail if you would like to. Robotics, some robots we have in the classroom can help us combine, let's say, unconventional music notation and performance with coding. And of course, I've had some experience, some plays, let's say, play around with the microbit, the BBC microbit pocket computer, which can also help students through block programming put together their own music performances and perform them. I have to say I was quite uh, interested and surprised to hear that also robotics is one approach that you use to teach uh, coding and music. So I'll be very happy to learn more about that in a minute when we go more into practical um, questions. But very interesting also to see that so many, such a variety of different tools and programming languages, I would say. In the next section, we're going to explore how you can bring this unique combination to the classroom. So to continue a bit what we were discussing just now about the different approaches that of coding, you know, to, to teaching music. So you've been working, of course, on this topic with students for some time now, as you just told us. Um, and when you look back, which are some of the most inspiring activities or projects that you have developed with your students or that your students themselves have developed? Um, excellent. I will take this opportunity, this question, to uh, dig a bit deeper into the experience we had with uh, introducing uh, music through coding by using Minecraft, because that idea actually came through the, the students I was working at the time some years ago. So just to put things a bit into context, um, Minecraft, the game itself, contains a number of different blocks that some of them are just basically used for building, like Lego blocks, but other blocks 
have specific functions. There's blocks that are, can be used as switches. There's blocks that represent water elements. And there's one block that is the music block. And what the music block does is, and, and, and I did some, um, some uh, presentations and, 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 uh, and webinars some years ago regarding that, showing some of the projects. What the music block in Minecraft does is I can assign to it a specific pitch. So that block represents a specific note. Now that block can play, let's say, or perform that note if an electrical current goes through it. And electrical currents in um, Minecraft are represented by a material called redstone, which basically redstone it tries to uh, replicate the concept of circuits uh, in real life. So if these blocks, and just thinking about the basic notions of what is music all about, is about putting together a sequence of instructions, and careful that this is exactly how you explain coding to, 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 to students, right? A sequence of instructions that have to be performed in a specific order with specific instructions attributed to them, and then have, let's say, the, the current or the, the run command go through them from A to Z. And that allows you to create melodies in Minecraft in a 3D environment. And a simple search on YouTube of music projects in Minecraft will show you hundreds, if not thousands, of musical pieces, complex musical pieces. Mozart's uh, music, there's, there's, there's Beethoven, there's uh, modern songs, there's pop songs, there's all kinds of songs of, of people that combine these music blocks in extremely complicated ways, an extremely complicated circuit. And then they tap on the on button. When the circuit goes through that, it performs the whole song with harmony, rhythm included, timber, different instruments. It's absolutely mind-boggling. And it's also very manual work. So it's like building something from scratch on block by at the time. And when I introduced Minecraft for creating, let's say, music in my classes, a couple of students came with the idea, well, you know, this is taking too long. This is quite manual work. We have to manually create these circuits and put these notes. There should be a, a way that we can identify some parts of the song and have them repeated or at least constructed repeatedly. Uh, so we can automate that process. And that's where the code builder came in. The students had to identify how to use the coding part of Minecraft and write down instructions so that there, when you, when you code in Minecraft, there's a little agent, your sidekick that builds stuff for you and it only works through coding instructions. So the robot, let's say, receive this instruction, this virtual robot, receive these instructions that you place for him and can scale up your project in the terms of loops, in the terms of functions called and build your musical performance. Uh, you then, as the composer, will just go in and define the pitch for each block and have everything play together. We have just discussed a bit of a different approaches to teaching music through coding. You have mentioned uh, Minecraft, you have also mentioned Sonic Pi, which is actually very interesting. But you have mentioned two that have definitely caught my attention, which are robotics and microbit. Can you elaborate a little bit more on these two? Of course, yes. Um, I must confess, I'm actually a bit new in this in this aspect as well. It's something I discovered uh, very recently, and I'm just trying to get myself more and more into it. So the the robotics uh, introducing robots with music and programming came out randomly as I was exploring one of the robots we have in the classroom, which is called Sphero. You might be aware of Sphero, which is a spherical robot that includes all kinds of sensors. And um, it can be obviously programmed through block programming. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's JavaScript. Um, well, basically, it's, 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 it's a robot for teaching students how to program. I mean, if you've seen Star Wars and, you've seen, and you know what BB-8 is, you know what, what the Sphero is. And Sphero, besides the fact that it's 
shockproof, it's waterproof, it has all kinds of sensors on it, it has its own LCD display to show instructions. Um, we can interact in different different ways with it. There was one program that caught my attention that inspired me to push it further, which was the rotor uh, sound. So basically, Sphero has two rotors inside that help the robot being a sphere uh, move in any direction it needs. And these rotors, by assigning values to them that permit that the robot uh, spins and it's on its own axis, through vibration, obviously, it creates a specific sound. That's that the value, that sound can be attributed to a specific node. So here I am on the coding uh, block programming software of Sphero, and I try to figure out which numbers, which, let's say, um, values of, of, of rotor spin create which node and how these nodes have to be combined in order to create a sound. One of the projects I found in the community was um, the Sphero playing this Imperial March theme. So you would press play and the Sphero itself would spin around and through vibration will actually play that theme. Uh, you then, as a student, can go back alter those values, try to figure out how pitches are represented, how duration is represented through the um, pauses, let's say, between block, between the blocks, and using what we call unconventional notation, which is an extremely useful skill for students when they learn music, recreate their favorite themes and favorite songs, favorite melodies on Sphero. We've been exploring it for the past um, uh, weeks now, and it's been absolutely, they, they absolutely love it because it's so bizarre uh, and so different than anything they've tried so far. So then I will ask a question that I think is in the mind of our audience when I hear about these uh, fantastic projects and, and your experience, no? And so are these projects difficult to implement in Because How practical is it to introduce these types of learning opportunities in the classroom? Now I'm mostly referring to the example of the Sphero and the robotics that you just mentioned, but I also mean in general. Do you find it challenging? Do you have any problems that you can just share with our audience? The only problem, I mean, we are, we are educators, we're teachers. The only problem I see is having the time to sit down and getting yourself acquainted with the topic, with the subject, with the lesson plan, so that you can have some knowledge before you have students delving into it. Because knowing students and classes, things can get chaotic very, very fast. Um, and we, we teachers, we obviously need to manage expectations inside the classroom. But here's the thing. None of these projects I've mentioned, and generally speaking, introducing anything outside our comfort zone is challenging. Um, what Minecraft is allowing us nowadays in the times we're living is here's a tool that the students don't need. We don't need to teach them how it works. We don't need to tell them what they need to do. They, uh, they know much more than we will ever know on, on regarding this tool. We just need to take that first step, that first leap, and understand that now we become facilitators. And it's the same with uh, robotics or introducing it. Well, now we become facilitators. We are in the middle of a learning experience uh, with each other. Teachers know one thing. Teachers know learning objectives. Teachers know how to identify when the learning takes place. So when students become completely immersed, excited, and they're just, you know, all over the place with something new they're exploring, something they've been introducing, we need to make sure we help them identify when the learning takes place. I think that's the main challenge that I usually see, and it's easily overcome if you just take the first step. 
I couldn't agree more. Uh, I also see that uh, this line uh, between the students and teachers is blurred now because both students and teachers are uh, learners. And I think we all know that teachers should be lifelong learners. And uh, as you said, not be afraid of doing things they have never done before. Thanks for these uh, great ideas, Kyriakos. And thank you for giving us some insights into your teaching experiences. Looking into the future, do you think this will affect music composition in some ways? I mean, are we going to create a future generation of musicians that will use code to compose music? And do you think there is any opposition to this from traditional, so to say, musicians? Obviously, it will affect music composition and vice versa, because as we said, there are both very, very high levels of artistic expressions, both programming and music. The future generation of musicians, we, we cannot assume they will be composing out of logic, uh, because logic and creativity go hand in hand. And we've seen this happening with uh, some of the projects that they've been, uh, scientists have been exploring lately. For example, with having AI performing musical compositions or having AI writing music. Is that purely based on logic? Obviously, it's it's coding. There's a lot of if statements involved, but there's a lot of data as well inside. And what is every musician or every composer uh, based on? Is based on how do they grow? They grow by experiences. They grow by getting exposed to as many data and information as possible. Uh, different cultures, different musical schools, different composers. And it all eventually comes down into having a general good knowledge of the elements that put together an artistic piece, a musical piece, and performing it. That's exactly what programming is as well. We write down a program following a specific number of, uh, of, of instructions that eventually can be replicated, reproduced, improved upon, and implemented. So going back again to the, to the, to the example of AI performing, it's performing based on the data it managed to gather. It's composing based on the data it managed to, to receive. So I think with so many tools and, and technology becoming second nature to us, traditional musicians will always exist. Musical performance of an instrument has to exist. However, when was the last time that, let's say, a composer wrote a soundtrack for a movie one note at a time by hand on paper? I mean, obviously, there's, there's people that want to believe in and they're completely pure on their art, but most people pick up their computer. They work with extremely high advanced uh, audio workstations and they work with loops. They work with sequences. They, they put together a series of instructions. They rearrange parts. They call functions and they write songs. Eventually, it, writing songs and computer programs, composing, it both requires this, this clever management of loops and the control flow. And it will become one and the same. I think they're both, they have so many in common, so much in common that they eventually uh, will be indistinguishable, uh, in my opinion. Thanks for this great explanation. Yes, indeed. We need to take advantage of all the new possibilities and opportunities that open to us because of technology. You mentioned artificial intelligence, and you mentioned that there are so many new opportunities that AI offers to musicians and programmers as well. So what is a one development or one technology, AI-related technology in music that you are looking forward to? I don't remember what was the musical piece. Now it's, 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 I'm forgetting what the music is, but I remember reading recently that an AI was used to complete 
an unfinished uh, music work of a composer based on, after it was feeded, let's say, the data of how the, the music piece was created and the, uh, the influences of that artist and the previous row works, it was able to uh, complete that music work based on the data of, of the previous data in a very, very similar sense that how would the original composer would finish it. And obviously finishing unfinished works is something that's been done uh, for many years now. Uh, it's very common for artists and musicians to pick up on unfinished work and, say, and finish it. But I found that amazing because there's hundreds, if not thousands of, of unfinished music works that eventually AI could finish them for us. And, and, and then the fusion, let's say, between what is human artistry and what is artificial artistry blends together. And over, all of a sudden, you listen to a musical piece from beginning to end, which was initiated by a human composer and concluded by AI. And that is absolutely amazing. I find that to be completely out of this world, and I can't wait to see where it will take us. Indeed, there are so many possibilities, and this is actually a field that uh, needs to be further explored. Uh, but uh, yes, it, it's really amazing. So summing up, I would say that even though initially teachers may not see coding as an approach or as a way to teach music, today we have discussed so many different possibilities and not just possibilities, but it sounds as a way as well to, to create engaging learning experiences for our students while teaching music and teaches the basics of music. So we have talked about microwave, we have talked about Safira, about the robots, we have talked about Sonic Pi, but we have also talked about the challenges and advices to teachers. And we have talked about the importance of, as you said, Kyriakos, taking the very first step and taking the time and the very first step and as well to letting the, the students lead us in this process. But what are your thoughts on this, Ariana? What's your takeaway message? So my takeaway message would be that it's definitely worth uh, introducing teaching music through coding uh, because um, it helps uh, students develop their creative skills, their problem-solving skills, but also their organizational skills. Another thing that uh, I think is very important is that uh, even though we, we have been talking about coding and music, Kiriakos has also mentioned some other subjects. So coding and music can actually help us teach in an interdisciplinary way. Kiriakos, is there something you would like to add before we close the episode? I believe we have touched, we, you both have touched excellently on, on the purpose and eventually the higher, the higher purpose of combining these areas together. And again, I believe this is not something we can ignore. And this is not a one-size-fits-all, let's say, uh, way of, of teaching or bringing other elements of another tool in your classroom, obviously. But uh, there's so much we can learn by exploring undiscovered or, 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 or new territory with our students that it eventually builds up on the capacities of what we call the modern teacher, the transition, let's say, from the all-knowing teacher in front of the board that is completely unquestionable and this is how things are done to one that is in the middle in the same level with the students building their own skills as they go uh, learning through each other i think that is very powerful thank you very much kiriakos for uh, joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure discussing these very interesting topics with you Thank you for having me. Um, it was excellent and being able to express and, and communicate these ideas and spend some time with you as well. And hopefully this will reach and, and convince people to take that first step. Thank you. We are sure of that. 
So we are now coming to the end of the episode. We hope that you have enjoyed it and that you have found inspiration on it and that you just now have a lot of materials and now resources and ideas to explore this exciting world of coding and music and teaching music through coding and different coding approaches such as robotics, AI, or tinkering and making. So at our website, codebeat.eu, we have many interesting tutorials, materials for you. We have, for example, learning bits that help you introduce uh, Minecraft or Microbit to your students. And so I invite our audience to go check it out, use those learning bits, use those materials to start breaking those models of uh, the way we teach and the way we learn with our students. See you next time for a new episode of our Code Week podcast with some interesting facts on coding and digital technologies in education. Goodbye. Goodbye.